you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting into go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. The Meat Eater Podcast is brought to you by First Light. Whether you're checking trail cams, hanging deer stands, or scouting for elk, First Light has performance apparel to support every hunter in every environment. Check it out at firstlight.com. F-I-R-S-T-L-I-T-E.com. Is the machine on, Phil? Machine's on. Okay, very quick hunting story before we introduce anybody, because I was going to tell it anyway. So I'm sitting there with my daughter on, we had hunted the youth season. What the hell I am going to introduce Danny Bolton's here, because his daughter was there too. We hunted the two days of the youth season. And then on the actual opening day of general season, we're up, up hunting and I get to a spot and I'm like approaching where I want a glass from hidden dawn off the other side of the ridge. And I slip over the ridge and nestle into the sagebrush and which I'm expecting my kids to do the same. But at the crest of the ridge, they find a fossilized clam stuck into a rock. So I'm glass and glass and glass and, and they're like back and forth messing with this fossilized clam. And they get the leather man, they go back, they come back to get me, and I'm and I am mad and I'm yelling at him, whisper yelling at him. Like, did you notice how I <laughs> slipped over and nestled into the sagebrush? And you guys are like, actually at prime time in the morning, it's 8 30 a.m. And you're not just crossing the ridge, but hanging on the ridge. I will mark the clam. 
Did you tell them they were lily dicking around? Something like I'd that. I said a lot Steve-ism. of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Jim, so much fun. It's Jimmy dicking. And I'm, yelling, <laughs> and I'm yelling at the both of them over my right shoulder. Whisper yelling. I'm like, well, come back. Do you want to be here? Like, I'm not up here for me. All that dad stuff. Mm-hmm. And also my boy goes, geez, there's a big buck. <laughs> it's like coming up this draw 100 yards away. He's kind of got this look on his face like the buck's got a look on his face like, duh, this ain't good. <laughs> and if I had not been yelling at him, I would have probably detected it. Yeah. But it splits and takes off running. And my daughter, she's not going to do a quick shot, you know, Um and we see it go over a hill and we see it go over another hill way off. And this area we're in, you can like see the tracks real good. So we go over there, we eventually pick up the tracks. So it's pretty exciting because you could. Mm-hmm. And we go over another rise. And all of a sudden, this thing explodes out of, I mean, from me to Danny. Poof, out of the, he was like laying under the sagebrush patch. And my son is quick to shoot in any situation to a fault. I said, get him, Jimmy. Meaning, like, if the opportunity were to present itself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever. You it stops. That, you I had don't that know. nuance in your delivery there. I was like, get him, Jimmy. And he started flop, raining. Oh, flop right in the neck. So it's like he, like, yeah. Nice buck. And dude, my daughter was upset. Because in her mind, that was. Yeah her deal so how'd you navigate that she's still pissed <laughs> <laughs> she's still i'm navigating that by planning more i'm navigating that by planning more deer hunting trips. how did you initially determine who who shoots first like because i was toting, household rule? i was toting my daughter's rifle okay um we had all kinds of junk i'm like carrying the rifle yeah she was like you carry her gun you never carried my gun <laughs> You know, and I thought about whether that was true or not. And I think he might've had a point, but I just like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm nicer to my daughter than to my boy. Um, I don't know why. That's all. Danny's daughter got her first buck. Yeah, she did great. Like never shot anything with a rifle before and, uh, had her practicing and I had a little awesome stock on uh three bucks and then. We ended up getting to a spot where they dipped into a nice little ravine and we couldn't see them anymore. So we kind of moved up on them and got to 180, got her set up on a tripod, which is perfect. From where I was standing, I could see them, but I realized from where I set the tripod at her height, there's still a lot of brush. That's so, a good realization when you're taking kids out. Yeah. It's like, it's right there. What do you mean you can't see them? <laughs> what exactly is the problem? Yeah. yeah. So it was good though, because it gave me a time, like I could squat down and tell her like, hey, okay. The thing's right there, standing broadside. I'm going to move up 10 feet. Once I set this tripod down, it's all you, you know? And I, I really stressed with her to squeeze the trigger and don't rush it. And uh, she, we, we moved up, and she took her time and took the shot. But then she would, the thing, she hit it, and I, I didn't see exactly where she hit it. I was looking through the binos. But it only had like 10 feet to go for it's out of sight. And it ran forward and she was really stressed that she made a good, you know, I don't know if I made a good shot. I, I think I really like yanked the trigger, which I don't think she did, but she just like, we knew that was kind of our opportunity. We had been stalking it for like an hour and this thing was about to dip out of sight and then yeah. it would be a big stock to get back on them. So she did like, which is good. Cause you're like, Hey, you know, take your time, but 
hurry up. But also this is the it. time. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. If this thing moves, you know, you're not going to get a chance at it. Take your time relative to the amount of time we actually yeah, there's, have. Yeah. There's Which a real only thing I understand. <laughs> yeah. But even not, but not really. <laughs> but she got it. She's like, you know, I, I knew that thing was going to move. So I like felt like I just had to shoot it right there and perfect shot. Calibers will be yeah. running for these daughters. I got a seven year old. I'm trying to. Six five Creed. Perfect. Yeah. Can I give you a hot tip? Please. Okay, then I'm going to introduce you. Um, if you keep winning these golf tournaments uh-huh. and you got the money, I would get a, a 6.5 Creedmoor. The, get the Sig Cross. Okay. It's just like a dream for kids. Perfect. And get a suppressor. I got cans. I got the cans. Just My kids can... Trying to get one perfect build. She's good with like... Got a suppressed twenty two, shoots it without her. I mean, she's she's great, but she's itty bitty, and mm-hmm. so I don't want to. I know when we were coming up, it was like, all right, you're big enough now. Here's this two seventy that weighs nothing and kicks like a mule. And yep. oh yeah, I shaved the trigger down. It's super scary, <laughs> right? You're like, but like, everybody yeah. else had to deal with this. So. Exactly. Yeah. Of course they did. It's just like this yeah. fire baptism, you know, like it's with entertainment rifles. for everybody else. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll give you the pitch on it. Um, Sig Cross. Yeah, it's got a collapsible stock. It's got a two-stage trigger. First off, they're small. You can adjust. You can. You can. The stock's adjustable very easily. The cheat comb's adjustable, and it's got a two-stage trigger, which just makes sense to them. Yep. You're like pull through, and it's going to stop. And then when you go a little more, and man, they can drive tacks. Perfect. Yeah, they can drive tacks those things, but with a suppressor. And then it's got that arc rail deal on the bottom, so you can put like a hefty, a hefty bipod on it. Nice. They can just shoot. There you go. They laugh after they shoot it. That's yeah. key. Because they're it's expecting they're expecting it to yeah. be something it's not, but then there's like no recoil. And they like giggle. You know, they they like they like shooting that. Tell stuff. me your tip too, Steve, about the earplugs and stuff. Oh, even with the suppressor, I'll double earplug them. Hmm. Because they conflate they conflate recoil and noise. And it just becomes this package. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, gives, for sure. That they don't like. And they think it's the kick. But it's, the, uh, yeah, I've, but I've read if that you it's deafen the noise. Them, like if you than, deafen yeah. them, you put foam earplugs, put a headset on them, put a suppressor on it. They'll say, it doesn't kick. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, because there's just no noise. You know what I mean? It's like they, to them, it's all this whole bundle of unpleasantness. Right. You know, and it really helps. Brian, you're listening to Brian Harmon. Happy to be here. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. The, uh, the only other golfer I would entertain having on this show is Trump. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha, have you ever played golf with that guy? I have not. Really? No, no, no Trump. No Trump yet. Really? Professional no. golfer. I, I thought he kind of ran in those circles. He does. He does. Uh, he, he he went full. So I don't know if you followed the politics of golf. Or not, no, we I don't. A, we well, a, I know there's a lot of trouble right now. Right. So we had a big uh, kind of split. You've got the, the live tour and the PGA tour and Donald Trump aligned himself with the live tour. And so all the and that's the Saudi. Were, that's the place that took some investment from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's yeah directly funded by. By the Saudis. By the Saudis. And people are mad at the Saudis because of the. What was that guy's name? Not Prigozhin. Oh, Kashobi. Kashobi. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah. mad at them for a whole host of reasons, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's very, very, very convoluted. Yeah. Them political. being like a kingdom and all. Yep. Yeah. No personal freedoms type type stuff. And then comprising a astonishing number of the nine eleven hijackers. 
So, there's a lot to it, Steve. I was going to say. You probably don't want to wait. Right into the. I was hey, right into the. Say, like, right into the. Right into the. Age. You're mad at the Saudis because how old are you? Yeah. Like, then you would pick your topic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, no, I think if you got back to the 1920s, no one would have been mad. No, then it's just a far flung kingdom. It's just like it was oil and then people mad. When, when the hell was that happening? It doesn't matter. We're there, talking about golf. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only golfer we'd ever have on. What what county are you from? What what county? Yeah, don't they call you the something killer from something? Oh, county? the, uh, the <laughs> no, uh, that was the, the yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm over there. I'm doing doing interviews after the rounds, and they ask about hunting. And why did they ask you about hunting? So you tell tell about what you, you that you won the British Open. Won won the Open Championship. And you guys just call it the Open. Crin was telling. Well, I, when I was a kid, it was the British Open. Now it's the Open Championship. because they just know. They just decided, I guess. Because there's no competition. Yeah, it's open competition. Like no, I'm saying no, no. When I say open, I'm sorry. If you say the Open. Well, yeah, I grew up. The Open was the U.S. Open. Okay. But somewhere, they com- the Brits I, I, they commandeered. Just, they just they took it. They just took. How do they do that? Something I like don't that? No, they just. Oh, they invented the game. We'll start there. <laughs> or, <laughs> That's fair. So anyway, yeah. they they look up. Um, they don't. They don't like the. They don't like hunters over there at all. I've gathered. I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, uh, so they're asking me. Oh, uh, you know, and I'm like, wow, these guys are super interested about hunting. This is great. I could talk all day about this. And so, so they just knew you won, and they already are prepared with the this fact. This is before I'd won. This was like okay, second so the, round. But they've third already done round. their they, little they, opposition they, research. They did their dig. They're like, oh, this <laughs> asshole's got pictures of animals on his Instagram. We're gonna get him. And I'm just up there like, yeah, I farm all summer for the deer. We, we deer hunt, then we duck hunt, then we turkey hunt, then we fish all summer. And, <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, well, what do you do with all of the animals that you kill? I said, well, I, I butcher them. Like, what else would I do with them? And so the next day, the tabloid's like, Brian the Butcher of Hoyland. <laughs> and so they think it's like this horrible, yeah, like, Hoyland, oh, was, oh this, yeah. is, this is really going to throw him off. I'm like, I love this. This is so nice. Thank yeah. you. Was, that, all was of my buddies it? are like, oh my God, here's a golfer, golfer you'll like. Oh, like that's, you yeah, that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. And then we had the baseball player Pete Alonzo on because he won the home run derby and talked about right, hunting after right. the home run derby. Yeah. And then people, then I wind up getting, I'll, like, I have a big text message web around the, you know, just people that are interested in stuff. And so anytime something were to happen, like with you and, and them making that big deal out of that, I will like, find out about it from multiple people. And if I hear about something from three or four people, then I'll be like, okay, this needs to be paid attention to. Cause I don't know if you know, but I, we goof on golfing a lot. Yeah. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> I shouldn't say we, I, I'll point out Hunter Spencer's here. He, I thought this meant a lot. Um, till Yanni pointed it out. <laughs> it doesn't. Till Yanni invited me to think about it more clearly. It was described to me that Hunter, almost played college which i realized meant that he played high school right but in my head i had it built up more than that like played golf <laughs> in college almost I, yeah almost. I, was, I was like just good enough and then realized maybe baseball is my thing yeah yanni pointed out that's a, that's called a high school golfer <laughs> that's great <laughs> but then you quickly realize there's a there's a massive difference between being good enough to beat everybody that you grew up with and then playing D1. And- oh, like beating the dudes down the road. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's a, a, several like larger population. You know, like, oh, this population <laughs> turns into this like and just keeps smaller and smaller until you get like to like the, the high school golfer. 
is it's pretty that's that's pretty far up the up the the trickle down the food <laughs> yeah, like, like, like how many guys played high school football i will tell you i'm sure you're i'm um, sure you're fine golf uh, no. <laughs> my high school the way they ran the golf team this might be all high school golf teams but it was basically like an open tournament uh during the week to see who would make the team to then go travel and do the the you know the actual game is what i would call it uh and i was like well shit that sounds pretty fun and so i showed up um borrowed my dad's golf clubs and was like oh i'll go try this out cuz it was like anybody can do it and it was for me it was either do that or do track which i hated or go to work so I was like, well maybe i'll try this one track golf or work <laughs> yeah um and uh yeah quickly found out that i was like oh there's all these other people and then me it yeah. was it was a i was a you're just out for a walk it was a bad situation yeah yeah I'll, i thought about this yesterday driving home here's here's the main reason i hate golf when i was a kid we lived we grew up on a lake Mm-hmm. And it was common to whap golf balls out in the lake, and then you'd go dive for them, right? So you sounds fun. Yeah, it's just real common. Do you guys use whap as a term often at your level of golf? No, nah, I, uh, I think it's a northern. <laughs> <laughs> now and then you'd set that you'd set that ball on the tee, and I'd get one of those, you know, the driver. And you'd have in your head like, I'm going to cream this thing, dude. And you're picturing it like sailing across the lake, you know. And you cock back and just give it the what for and just could never and it just rolls in. Oh yeah. It was just like so maddening, man. Yeah. You want you'd be like, whoa, you know, and just nothing. So your <laughs> your hatred of golf is born from just want your to inability. Yeah. Wanted to sail it across the lake. His general lack of skill is what led to yeah. your. But I'm yeah. sure he's the only long, one. I wanted to sail it across yeah. the lake, and it winds up like halfway out. Your neighbors die. I mean, the first time, I, first time I shot a bow, there's no way I was any good at it. Just throw the bow down. Ah, bow hunting, stupid. I've always hated painting and music for the same reasons. <laughs> uh, tell me real quick too. You got um, two hole in ones on a round. Yep. But on an official round. Yeah, official round. So that was uh, how'd that work out? 2015. It was an expensive bar tab. I'll tell you that we were playing just outside of New York City. Uh-huh. So when the tradition says you, you make hole and run, you've got the the bar tab for the night. For the night. For the night. <laughs> Ouch. Just for your Ouch. for your yeah. group or the whole? No, the whole whole shebang. It's a it's like a <laughs> rite of passage. You make hole in one. All the drinks are on you all night. Hopefully, you, so I don't know if, yeah, don't you, know if you guys have heard, but New York City, the the drinks are not. Yeah. Oh yeah, hopefully you had some winnings like, to counterbalance. They're not. Those, they're not fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's twenty dollars beer night. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks. <guys. laughs> well, normally you get like free cars sometimes in tournaments when you get a whole nothing. You no, get, no. How it, much was that bar tab, dude? Um, more than grand. more than two, more than two grand, less than less than five, probably. I would have confiscated everybody's cell phones and been like, here's the deal. There's well, no inviting other people into this. You definitely, you definitely play it smart. It's like, ah, it's take a long shower in the hotel room. Oh, let's get dinner before we show up there. So at least you get to nice. weed out some of them. Nice. No yeah. one's ever done three. No. And three people have done two. Three people have done wow. two. It's just a freak. freak yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are the other guys that did two? I don't know. 
So not like not like I don't know Greg Norman. No, you like that? I just pulled that out. <laughs> Jack Nicholas. Those guys when, still in the oh, game. Oh, look at you too. <laughs> look at too. When you hit that ball, is there a point before the ball lands that you're like, oh, this thing's going in? Um, oh, that's a good question. I mean, I've had three on tour total. Uh, they've all been gr- good golf shots, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, well, you, I mean, obviously went in the hole. Yeah. But there's no part no, of your brain you that just up. goes. Oh, yeah, there's probably there's. I, so I it's not say. like it came off a tree or something. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> there not. Yeah, it came off there's the windmill. A little luck and down the ramp. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, you let it go and it's it's going, and you know it's good, but you you never you never know. You never yeah. really know. Yeah. Like for me, it's like you try to get in this place where you're just you're in such like a mode of execution, and so it's just like you're just like ticking off, like hit one. All right, I executed that one, and then you're just like, all right, what's the next one going to be like? So, um, it's not really anything specific. Yeah. I don't remember. I, it's just like, oh shit, it went in. Great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that makes the I next t- execution. I, I, I can easier. take a break. Yeah, I can take a break. When you're in that mode of execution, uh, are you, do you allow yourself to celebrate in that moment, or do you Mm-mm. have to you have to quickly tamper that down and go, great? No, I got try, it done. Move on. Try to stay as even keel as possible. Any anytime you try to execute something, you're too high or too low. It's 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 bad. I've been starting to relate that a lot to bow hunting because there's I often see comments about how how come you're not and it's not just to me but other people you're not more excited when you kill something you know or you make that great shot. It's like well, our my whole life as a hunter, I've been trying to achieve this state where I don't not get excitable. like out of my mind when I make that shot, and all I do is execute, and you then it's done mm. properly, and you know it happened properly. And, you know, sure, later you can, you know, party and, ha- and, and celebrate. But in that moment, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I stayed cool and I did it. Yeah, and certain what? parts of your body, certain things in your brain, like, you know, I'm no neuroscientist, but I think that in your brain is little vials of, no one's discovered them yet, but little vials of emotions. I'm sorry, you said you're not a neuroscientist? <laughs> no. You're already far beyond. <laughs> well, this is my theory. I don't think that anybody knows about it, but I think there's these little vials of, of emotion. And as you get older, you, you drain that, the vial empties out. Like excitability, I think you just use it up over time. Mm. I think like fear of grizzly bears, you use up over time. And I've... I've kind of drained out my <laughs> vial of getting of real excitability yeah that's a thing though your adrenaline glands yeah like they they stop putting just out less if, you're, of if they're always overstimulated unless i see a big buck with kids <laughs> <laughs> i still i steal a quote from you all the time i thought you said it really oh, good. please yeah take a breath be a predator Oh, there you go. So good. Yeah, well, that's, that's or a, wear yeah, out your little vial of... Uh, <laughs> I, like, I like take a breath for your predator. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you're interested in Neanderthals or not. Took a, uh, a 23 of me, and apparently I'm in the 96th percentile. You got heavy you know, As soon as you walked Neanderthals. in, I yeah, thought, felt I you felt it. Neanderthals. Neanderthals. felt it. Yeah. He's got that vibes, that beard, yeah, I think. Giant, giant head. <laughs> oh, you know, I long got a, torso. Speaking of giant head, man, I got a physiology thing I found out there today. I've always prided myself on being able to uh, tell if someone's a snorer. Just looking at them. Yeah. Do you think like I'm I, a, Do you think I'm a snorer? Yeah, but you might be. Nah. Like I look at like I think a guy like Bob V or Kenny Rogers. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got this definitely, giant nugget. Definitely a snorer. <laughs> well, the other day when I'm still dealing with this ear problem, I got I got a ear problem. <laughs> The bad part is, like, the older people get, the more right you'll be. 
Well, here's right. why. Be like, yeah. well, just wait. Yeah. Yep. You'll <laughs> be. I thought it was something to do with like a certain like um like if you got a beard down to your sternum, uh huh. That like I I felt that that leads to snoring. But I was down at the ENT place, <laughs> and they they asked me all these questions about sleep apnea and snoring, and they measured my neck. You're down at the EMT place. ENT. Your oh. nose throat. Okay. I got this Thank ear you. problem. I was like, okay. Yeah. So they measure <laughs> yeah, that artery cut. Yeah, we call that, that an emergency room. <laughs> if you got a 16 inch neck, that's a that's how they'll tell. Like you got a 16 inch neck, you're probably a snorer. Huh. Really wild. And dude, I never knew what I was looking at. I just knew I could tell. I was looking at the necks. Hmm. Is it only 16 or 16 and above? 16 and above. I would think a skinny. I neck had would no be more, idea about this. More. Uh, It'd be like less, less, less air passage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's less like a yeah, but the bigger neck, like there's air, more air moving would go through around, a bigger right? straw mm-hmm. than a smaller straw. But uh, so you you have a heavy duty load of Neanderthal. <laughs> yes, I was reading this article this morning. Um, like I've really enjoyed uh over the years how they keep Neanderthals keep getting smarter and smarter. You know, like, there used to be this perception that um you know, that they couldn't hunt. They were just like, they dragged their knuckles everywhere. But then, but as these, you know, they more, like they, they find at some of these Neanderthal sites, like uh, shells that have holes bored in them, suggesting that they would adorn themselves with jewelry that they would etch, you know. Which means they had free time, which means they were doing enough things right to have free time. Right. This article just came out. Are like, like an onion. Just keep peeling the layers. <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's, it's just been kind of interesting to watch because, you know, we, we had this idea that like that the other other hominids were just really dumb, you know, and then um, Homo sapiens just ran over them and look how great we are. But you get into the fact that, I mean, these these things were in these things were in Europe hundreds of thousands of years. You know, I mean, they, they were in Europe longer than we've been been in Europe. Right. So, but these guys in Germany have, are looking at these, uh, they found remains of cave lions that had been, uh, they were found remains of cave lions that they've deduced from cut marks had been hunted. So mixing it up with cave lions, projectile point wounds in the rib cages, I thought you were going to say they domesticated cave lions. No, that'd so be badass. Like, that's, 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 wait till yeah. next year. Yeah, wow. That's another layer in the onion. <laughs> next year they'll be like, we found an old bicycle. Yeah, we found, <laughs> we found cave lions with jewelry on them. It's the damnedest thing. Yeah. No, yeah, what else I they have that. that's cool is uh, they have this cave remnants of a cave lion hide that had um, stuff wrapped. It had cave lion bones wrapped up in a cave lion hide like and they were you know you don't really who knows what was going on yeah but then they found another hide that had red paint all over it so it's the first animal rights uh, <laughs> 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 or the these researchers Those you know, the other hominids that's what they <laughs> these researchers have to get quit hunting yeah. it's always a little embarrassing <laughs> i always feel embarrassed for the researchers when they lay out what they have Right, and you be, you know, and, and that winds up being it goes. It's peer reviewed. You're like, well, here's the hide of the line, and here's what's in it, and here's the marks on it. And it's very, um, 
you know, it's this very objective analysis of what's laying there. But then they always have to, then they start doing media and they have to get into where they're like, well, it could mean, yeah. <laughs> it could mean <laughs> what's so funny is one of the things I'm reading the New York times, they about these discoveries is this guy's like, well, maybe it was, and he was, <laughs> maybe it was a show and tell item <laughs> for when they had to explain to kids about cave lions. Like, you know, when you go to like, when you go to a museum and you're a yeah. kid, they pull out like a tote and they got like a yeah. chunk of buffalo wool, a horn. What are three words to describe the, <laughs> the way this hide so feels? So he's like, now and then they're like, Grandpa, can you get out this stuff about the cave lion? He's like, here, let me get my hide. And, and I have my show and tell items in there. But the other thing is they just thought that even back then, they're suggesting that they thought it was badass to have a cave lion hide. You were tougher than hell. Hard to argue with that. Yeah, you think that whatever you got there uh, winning that British Open's cool. Ain't no cave lion. No, there's no cave lion. Well, uh, what do they? What? What? You know the tradition of the green jacket. What is? There, what's the tradition at the British Open? It's a. Uh, they give you this thing called a claret jug. It's a 150 year old trophy. It's got the names etched of everyone that have ever won it. It's pretty neat. And you get it for one year. Get it for a year. Where's yeah. that right In now? My house. It and is. you drink out of it, right? Yeah, was, they they built it to. Um, it's supposed to hold an entire bottle of wine, but turns out it holds about two and a half Guinnesses. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Now, because didn't, there was one part of one of those articles that was, you know, trying to be like, this guy's could win the Claret Jug. What will he fill it with based off of your, your hunting background, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Butcher's <blood. laughs> The butcher, butcher Ahoy Lake. Yeah, beer yeah. and bourbon about the only things that have been in it. Really? <laughs> That's funny. That's a lot of bourbon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not not a bunch at a time, just enough to make someone uncomfortable, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a smart move going to Guinness. Yeah. We recently talked about, I don't know if you were here, Yanni. We talked about hunting uh, squirrels with Kevin Murphy and getting to a, having a squirrel and a raccoon tree up in the same tree. Was not here for this conversation. Did I ever tell you this story? No. Is that the pinnacle of small game hunting? He, I thought that this had to be the thing that has never happened in the history of the world. And Kevin Murphy assured me he's seen it before. Where the dog bays up a squirrel. And we get there and 18 inches apart is a squirrel and a raccoon in the same tree. Coincidence. <sighs> Lots of ways to interpret it. A guy sent in, a guy that was listening sent in a picture. He's got of a, I mean... Plain as day, there's a black bear and a mountain lion hanging in the same ponderosa, mm. treed up in the same tree, which he thinks is even cooler than what I'm talking about. Scale's bigger. Scale's bigger. Uh, I don't even want to get into them all. I came up, uh, my the old saying I had, I'll, I'll talk about this later. I'm trying to develop an old-timey saying um, and a lot of feedback on that. But uh, another thing, Danny, I'm telling you this because you're here. We were talking about Ciguatera. Brian, this is the part of the show where we do like listener feedback and whatnot. Let's do it. Just hang tight. I'm, 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 I'm there, bud. By hang tight, it means you're welcome to participate <laughs> at any time. <laughs> so there is a guy. So this guy took since June when we talked about this. There is a guy that, that has established a website where you can track Ciguatera outbreaks and fish. He has a, he wrote a little tool for report. Well, 
He wrote a tool for reporting and finding ciguatera outbreaks around the world. So you people that eat a lot of fish, ciguatera.info. Spelled how it sounds? C-I-G-U-A-T-E-R-A. Is that how it sounds? Pretty that close, the, uh, yeah. That's what the barracuda get in them, right? Yeah. That's like the, you know, like the, the, the legend is, uh, and and uh, the legend is, and I was always taught this, uh, even though I grew up nowhere near the ocean. You're you're a hell of a spear fisherman now, though. That if you put a barracuda in a ant, like you put an ant on a barracuda, won't eat it. He won't eat it if it has ciguatera. And some Bahamians tell me that that's ridiculous. But then they had some other equally ridiculous sounding way to find out if something has. <laughs> ciguatera but they also have fish that you just don't eat but what i didn't realize is um in some places barracuda have ciguatera in some places they simply don't and in louisiana you'll see in louisiana texas you'll see barracuda on the menu at the restaurant well uh, so in the in the gulf all of the uh people eat amberjack they come off the reefs. But East Coast, Atlantic Ocean, like, won't touch them. Full of worms. It looks like a mop head if you clean them up. Oh. In the Gulf, the, the trout have worms. Right. Atlantic, nothing. Like, we eat trout nonstop. Mm-hmm. Remember, I put a picture up of a whole bunch of trout, uh, sea trout, mm-hmm. um, and a guy's like, oh, man, good luck with those worms. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, <laughs> never yeah, you still see that parasite. Yeah. And uh, I do know, like, when we used to king mackerel fish, if the sharks were bad, You'd have a king mackerel coming to the boat. A lot of times, tax man gets half of him, you know. But if you ever had a barracuda come to the boat, they wouldn't touch him. Sharks really? No, nope. mm. they didn't That's want it. Trippy. They didn't want it. Yeah, a lot of the, the barracuda, right? Like, the, it's the little fish that get the cigatera, and then the barracuda eating those little fish, and it just it's a buildup in their system. Yeah, and so that's why the predators have it real bad. I just I've heard that that it comes from those reef fish, but then you think about the Goliath grouper. And I don't know that they have it. And all they do is, I mean, they eat everything on the reef. Yeah. Like down in the Keys now, we used to go down uh, every, for two weeks, at the end of every summer, we go lobstering. And there were very few Goliath grouper. Now, uh, when my parents go down, they go down and they say every time, every all these lobster holes that they've they've saved over the years, there's a Goliath grouper there and there's nothing on the bottom. No yeah. lobsters. Oh, he's in there mopping up all the lobsters. Oh, everything. Everything's gone. I mean, they get to be four, five hundred pounds. I mean, they eat everything. Can you eat? I, can you catch those and eat those? There's a you can get tags for tags them. Tags now, now, right? Yeah. You know, I don't. I, I went. We we're on a dive in the rigs this year. We we're in one that's only thirty feet of water. Like a lot of times, they're just you know unbelievably deep. This one's in thirty feet of water, and I went down, and and he's down there. Oh, like Huge. it looked like a his head was like a five gallon bucket. Good God! And he's snapping his jaw at me. He's like coming out of this underneath this metal, yeah, clacking like, at me. Yeah, it's and my first thing is like, I was like, I wonder if you could kill this thing by hitting it in the brain. And then I was like, oh my god, that's a Goliath grouper. Like it's just like the first thought was how you would ever manage, <laughs> like how you would ever manage nah, a Jonah, fish like this. Jonah wasn't swallowed by a whale; he was swallowed by. Oh, Goliath and I came grouper. up, and I'm like, there's a big. They're like, don't shoot it. <laughs> Do not. <laughs> I, I they're intimidating oh my the God. water, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, because you could have put, I mean. They look like a school bus. You could fit, you could definitely fit your head in his mouth. No doubt. Yeah. No Danny, doubt. does it make sense to you that it's an outbreak? 
Well, I, I only know about Secretary just from Hawaii. I don't know like worldwide how, because California and stuff, I don't think they deal with it. And, um, but I do know that when we catch barracuda, like offshore, the pelagic ones, there's not as big of a concern huh. versus the ones that are eating the reef fish. Yeah. yeah. I think that it is. Because it's a bioaccumulation. Yeah, but I think it's like, I think me. it's cyclical and it gets heightened. It's like the way red tide. But I'll close it by saying this. Not close. I mean, you say whatever you want. But from my perspective, I used to think of trichinosis as like kind of magical. Um, and then I eventually got where I really understand trichinosis. Uh, with Ciguatera, I'm astonished how um, in my social circle, I'm astonished how little it's understood. Uh well, like I'd like to have a Ciguatera expert on the show for not a awesome. long time. I've definitely yeah. had it and not even really <laughs> paid attention to it. Right? Like you just yeah. have, have you weird gotten feelings. sick? Yeah, I've gotten sick, but like only looking back on it, I just felt odd and like the whole hot cold water thing. But I just didn't pay much attention. I was just like, oh, whatever. It'll, That's it'll what the pass, Bahamians you know? are telling me: that hot becomes hot, cold becomes cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my buddy uh, Mark Healy has. Uh, I think a lot of bioaccumulation. Yeah. And so he's pretty sensitive to it. Get, mm-hmm. Gets it. He can be like, if I eat this giant trevally, yeah. I will get this. Yeah. Some people want fish like the Alua we caught. Yeah. You know, d- did you eat some of that? Oh yeah. You, I ate no problem. The whole thing. Right. No problem. Yeah. And some people and certain fish will have it w- in higher concentration than others. And, so, you know, I've had friends get sick over just one fish, one filet that night they had and they got really? sick. Yeah. But as the it's the a, group that we were fishing with, the uh Kilkenny's, mm-hmm. um they they were like you can eat whatever you want because you don't have the history of eating these fish mm. that accumulate sequatera. Yeah. It's like the mercury too. Right. Now why'd so, you just do that little sequa? Cuz that's how it's spelled, right? No. No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if it is then the website's wrong. Uh, uh, it reminds me, I think I've told this story before. I was in my doctor uh, a long time ago. Where the EMTs hang out? Uh, but yeah, it, it, but it was a regular doctor, but I, he said tinnitus. Mm. Uh, tinnitus? And I always call it tinnitus. And he said tinnitus. And I said, is that how you say that? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. 
Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it a thousand times more. If you got a family and you got people that rely on you, you need to take life insurance seriously. And Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. So with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Your life insurance policy, you know, that you get at work may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. Now, this is super convenient, right? Because a lot of times, you know, something like life insurance, you're just going to put it off because you're like, when will I ever have time to do that? I don't even know who to talk to about it. Well, this helps you do it online. Okay, again, you're comparing options from top companies, all right? Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Yeah, man. Kryn may be a great Sigwaterra expert. For like 30 minutes. And maybe somebody who's had it real bad too yeah. on the same podcast oh, would be great. Yeah. yeah. Or a survivor uh, or, or a member of someone uh, like like a really tragic story where someone didn't make it, but then we have their next of kin. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, it'd be hard to get the one that didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> this could, yeah. this could I definitely get like to this talk to uh, uh, That's what uh, AI Donnie is all about. We could get a yeah. medium We're and just get them up talk here. to someone. Who's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, Mercury in the big game fish is, it's, that's an odd. Well, thing I had a friend to... struggle with it for like three, four years and just sick and then eventually couldn't get out of bed and like hurt to ache. All his, all his joints ached and didn't know what was wrong with him. Mercury poisoning. Had to go on some crazy diet, get all the Mercury, stop eating fish. And he was eating it like a couple times a week, right? And uh, it was bad. Like he couldn't walk. He thought he was dying. Yeah. Seth got mercury poisoning. Are Some you, people say he didn't, but he did. Do you believe that he did now? I do. Yeah. I believe that he got mercury poisoning. It all adds up. When How you reconstruct 
the couple months of his life of eating big halibut and pelagics five nights a week and that him and his wife developed the same symptomology and had talked about it to other people before they talked about it to each other. Yeah. I it's love just too much. <laughs> I love how they like were... the sore knuckle, like the ha- sore hands and stiff joints and they were in just like a cycle of eating fish to where they, they always had some more. <laughs> and so they were like constant. Was, that was the most hilarious part to me. It wasn't ever like, we're going to sit down and eat fish tonight. It was just like this. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some halibut out and then we had, yep. or whatever. And had so-and-so just, over and now yeah. that's left over. And it's just like a cycle of, uh, yeah. a cycle of mercury intake. And then I read one time, a dude that didn't even like fish had to get rescued off a cruise ship. Because he bought a cruise ship package, which gave him all-you-could-eat sushi. <laughs> and they had to fly him off the cruise ship for mercury poisoning. Crazy. <laughs> That's wild. Because <laughs> you know, he was getting his money's worth. Yeah. I <laughs> Does it just accumulate in some fish, or yeah. is it all fish? Yeah, so, like, especially the bigger fish. Like tuna, so like, and they started finding it in Cobia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, East Coast, which we it's, all love. It's fish yeah. that yeah. eat fish that eat fish that eat yeah. fish. And tuna, they'll say, like, anything under 20 pounds, like, you're safer, especially for pregnant ladies and stuff. You're not really supposed to eat fish. But, yeah, yeah. like, if it's under 20 pounds, they say you're a little safer. Again, I don't know how that's like could be an old wives tale, but they say the bigger the fish, the worse off you are. Well, no, I think the reason it makes sense, right, is like they they grow super fast and then they hit like a plateau point. So when your your income to growth is in a certain range, mm. right, that makes sense. Yeah. Like mahi mahi, right? Like mahi yeah. don't. Yeah, but like an ahi, you stay at 100 pounds to 200 pounds for a couple of years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that first, you could go from zero to 60 pounds in one year, yeah. you know? Yeah. Corinne, you can cancel that expert. <laughs> <laughs> just wrap that up. Corinne, this going to be awkward. Entire solution. Uh, this, is the la- this is the last thing. And then we're going to talk about uh, the formative years of, of Brian Harmon. Um, I like, to, I like to periodically revisit this because it's one of my favorite quotes of all time. I grew up, so my dad, like my dad hunted and fished, well, fished with other World War II guys. And meaning, I should, not that they, not that they were necessarily World War II guys, guys of that age, okay? He was really good friends with this guy named Ron Spring. Ron Spring had owned Spring's Sporting Goods and was a bait supplier. So he was in the live bait business. He did wigglers, crawlers, shiners, right? I one time went to profile Ron Spring, and he wouldn't let me, and I grew up around him. I mean, I grew up with this guy. Uh, He wouldn't let me profile him because he was no way going to give away trade secrets about how he catches leeches, how he catches wigglers, wow. and carried that shit to the grave. That's beautiful. In his yeah. 80s. I was like, Ron, what's the difference now? I love that not so Not going to do it. Would not let me go out with him catching bait for the bait store, which I respect him for big time. Anyhow, this dude had been raised on Great Lakes fish. I mean, not just the bait, but that's what he, he fished and ate fish. That's all this dude ate. And University of Michigan went and found all these old timers that had grown up eating Great Lakes fish. 
And he would have to go down there every few months to do these tests and studies and shit because they're trying to check on these elevated heavy metals from people that consume diets of fish out of the Great Lakes. And he'd go in there and they'd give them a list of shit. They'd be like, okay, Ron, you need to go to the grocery store and buy me a pound of butter, two pounds of burger, jar of peanut butter, some asparagus, some bubble gum, some mouthwash, right? Whatever the hell. And they'd wait a minute and they'd be like, okay, what are you supposed to buy at the store? And he said to me one day, he goes, Steve, I wouldn't have remembered that list if I never ate a piece of fish my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, grew up in Georgia. Yep, grew up in Savannah. Did you? What came first, golf or hunting? Uh, Hunting and fishing, for sure. I I played first. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Um, I didn't start golf until I was probably eleven years old. I played baseball, football, basketball. Played all the stuff. Didn't find golf until like. A little later in my childhood, but but uh, fishing, growing up fishing with my dad is is how. Was he a golfer? No, no, no golf in my family. He might he, he might hate golf worse than you do. <laughs> <laughs> he has. Well, yeah, how no the hell did it. you get? So you you didn't come from a family of golfers? No, no. Uh, my mom's a chemist. Uh, chemist. My dad is a dentist. No, no, no golf. So when no you started taking all. off in golfing, was your dad like? Great day to go fishing, Brian. He just, uh, it, it was all that I cared about once I found it. Um, and so I spent a, a good portion of, I mean, I pretty much spent all my time dedicated to trying to see how good I could get at it. It's all I wanted to do. Well, who, who got, who, like some neighbor gives you a golf club or like what happens? I, I had accumulated, like just through sports, I had sort of like loose equipment for things. Like my dad owned a like set of golf Like in a trash clubs. can in the garage. Right. Like I had, I had small <laughs> yeah. like clubs, just like, oh, like maybe he'll, maybe he, cause we live really close to a golf course. Like maybe mm. he'll like golf one day. And like, just like I've accumulated all this nonsense for my kids just like trying to throw whatever at him. Like, well, let's see what see what you he got does. a hockey stick, a baseball bat, a golf club. Right, got yeah. got all the got all the essentials. So, um, I I was home sick from school. I, anyway, I'd skipped a, a Thursday of school and I was home. I forget what the circumstances were, but I watched a golf terminal on television, um, and I was close enough to where I could ride my bike up to like where we could practice, like hit balls, and that's how it started. Really? Yep. That's it. It spoke to you watching a golf tournament on TV. I found I found a conviction very early in my life, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. I mean, I loved it just right off the rip. Yeah, you know, I played baseball, and I loved I pitched. I, I loved to pitch. Played shortstop, but and I loved being on a team. But I didn't I didn't like I I, I didn't like how I could have a great game and not. I mean, I hate saying that, like not win the game like that. I liked having the like the almost the vulnerability of the moment on you. Right. Yeah. Um, so give me, give me the quick trajectory of how one goes from an 11 year old who discovers it to, to pro like, like what are the, you know, like what are the hurdles? So I I fell in love with the game. I was practicing every day. I was playing with some older kids and playing from like tee boxes. So the golf course I was playing was too long for my ability. Like I wasn't big enough to hit the ball far enough to compete with the kids I was starting to play with, but I would get these golf magazines and I'd look at the scores of these local like nine hole golf tournaments. And I'm looking at the distance that they're playing from. And I'm like, Oh, like if I moved up and played in these tournaments, I think I would do okay. 
and my mom signed me up for one. She drives me down to St. Simons, where I live now. Well, you're talking about playing at a place where it's not as far from where you first hit as it is to the hole. No, no, no. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So you start, so you got individual holes, right? I mean, I do have to, like, you know how golf is like. Yeah, there's the, there's (laughs) the, there's the. Par three, four, five. What do you call the, where the two, there's, you got the two balls. That's tee box. Yeah. And then you got the ladies one. Right. So you've got several sets of those tee markers. Right, so you've got like I'm familiar with two sets: ladies' tees, you know, senior tees, men's tees, oh, championship tees. Oh yeah, so it's it, it's okay. All this the whole gambit. So I'm playing from a couple tee boxes back with older kids, and I'm shooting oh. these scores, and I'm no and I'm no good because that extra little bit of yardage. Yeah, because I can't I can't reach the holes, you know, in yep. in time to make a good score. No, I got you now. So I'm looking at the magazines, looking at the scores. Like I think I can do this. So my mom drives me down. I win my first tournament, and it was like. Just gone. So that that went into big. How old were you then? I was twelve. Did what? you feel like you were cheating when you moved up to that first tournament? You were like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> I did. I did. I was like, "This is much easier from here." I should have been doing this this whole time. So you did, but you did to say. I always pictured it. Um, it's such a common story in athletics. Is the overbearing, especially in parent like golf and tennis, trying to like, like live their like. They're, you know, they're trying to live their dreams through their children. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. totally. I was super blessed. Totally opposite. Even like now, <laughs> uh, even like now, you know, my, we'll be at like a, a big PGA or we'll be at the Masters, right? And my, my dad's there watching begrudgingly, of course. He's like, Brian, come over. I'd rather be fishing. Yeah, he's like, come here. It's always like, man, look at all these acorns right here. Like, <laughs> man, look at, like, look at, he's, look at this track right Look at this deer track right here. So he's, he's totally unengaged. Um, but I'm glad that he, I'm glad that he, wa- like, wasn't, like, super pushy. Because I don't know if I would have found the same yeah. love and conviction out. for you. You don't yeah. have that baggage and, with your relationship to the sport. Right? Well, I, I don't know anyone. I mean, there's, on tour now, there's tons, of, there's guys that had overbearing parents and guys who had non-involved parents. But the ones who had overbearing dads, don't talk to them. Like, they, mm. they, most of them have Is no... Is that right? No, if no, like, apart? Yeah, they have no... I mean, how, how could it stay together? Like, it just, like if a parent is so selfish to try and achieve a dream through their kid and eventually the kid is going to resent them in mm-hmm. some form or fashion, in my opinion, I mean, I've got, and it I've just got, sucks the joy right out of it. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, like look at, you know, like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Perfect example. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just talked to Dave. Chang about the guy's, that. <laughs> the guy's arm off. Yeah. Uh, when you did that and, and won the tournament, Here's the part. The here's the other part about the parent thing that's hard to understand is um you got to have someone driving you around and and getting the gear and all that. Yeah, my sweet mother. She took me everywhere. Even though she didn't care about it. She, I mean, she cared. She cared way more than my dad does. But she never. It was never. She was always very supportive. Mm-hmm. She was never like, "Hey, you know, it's you know nine in the morning. Like you should be practicing." Like that never happened. That did not happen. Mm-mm. But if you pointed out that you wanted to go to something, she was going to enable there. you to she go. She was there. I, I don't. There's no way I would have made it and been successful without that support. I would have had to have gotten really creative. But you could have gotten into, like, you could have been an aquarium enthusiast, and she would have driven you to the yeah, pet store. Correct. Just whatever. She was yep. just going to help you out. Yeah, I was. Uh, she loved tennis. Um, she didn't play. She just loved tennis. And I played tennis early and played in a few tournaments and stuff like that. And she really wanted me to be a tennis player. Uh, but when I decided that golf was 
what I wanted to do. And it's just what, and she, she never brought it up. It wasn't well, like golf and tennis, like kissing cousins. Well, right? yeah, yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> pretty close. Individual. So well, well, except one of their arms gets freakishly bigger than the yeah. other one. Oh, does it really? oh my oh, yeah. gosh. I didn't know that. Rafi Nadal's left arm is three times the size of his right arm. Whoa. Really? Yeah. yeah. Look, look it up. Kind of walks <laughs> in circles. I had no idea. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. 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 Huge. Hey, do you have a, uh, do you have like a really uh, intimate relationship with a, with a particular caddy? Yeah, mine. That's what I mean. Yeah. No, <laughs> That's I'm, the thing I did. So, so how, how many years, like been, how many years have you had your caddy? We've been together 11 years. Probably the longest tenured guys out there. It's a really interesting yeah. dynamic. When I learned about we spend that six golf, hours a day together. When I learned about that in golf, that surprised me. This is this is like a um it's a it becomes a partnership. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and those guys are they're really good at what they do. I mean, my guys gotta know how to read me and know when I'm running hot and running cold and you know, it's he, like not just being a caddy. It's like a psychologist. Oh it's yeah, somebody did. Oh, he probably knows me better than my wife does. Yeah, you know any, and I probably know him better than anybody <laughs> yeah. else on the planet. You know, it's just is he, he just on a cut of winning? Like, how do you guys sort that whole deal out? Yeah, he gets uh, he's on a salary every week, and then he gets a percentage of all the encore stuff. Do you guys do monthly reviews and like? <laughs> who gold reviews smart who? gold? She's usually, she's usually <laughs> just over a beer. Does he hunt? Usually over a beer. It's tough because when you're in the when you're in the moment and you've got these emotions running high, it's really easy to just be like, well, shut up. Like I, I don't care what you think right now. Um so it's usually better to just get past it and, and have a beer and just talk about it. So uh, is the caddy like uh did they want to be a professional golfer? A lot of them did. My mine did not. He played college golf, but it was apparent to him very quickly that it wasn't his future. So you, when you're a caddy, you could, you settle into that. Like that's you, that's what you want to be doing. Yeah, I don't think there are any caddies. I don't think there's any professional caddies now on tour that have aspirations of playing. It's just they're just good at that. That's their job. Huh. Yep. It's a real profession. It's 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 hard work. I'll tell you something about my personal business. <laughs> Please do. A book agent. Traditionally, a book agent is going to pull 15%. Okay. Okay. Now you share. (laughs) (laughs) So, so first off, thank you for sharing uh, some intimate details of uh, of how books work. I I got, yeah, I mean, I got agent, Taddy, they, they all get percentages. That's what I'm curious. Like, just, I don't, I'm not asking about your relationship with your caddy. What's a like if you win a what do you guys call it a purse a prize yeah the tournament yeah if we win the, win the trophy but what, yeah. no yeah no what is the cash amount called the purse what do yeah. you guys use yeah so yeah just the I mean the purse is usually considered the entire the entire thing we're playing for so just be like the winner's cut winner's check okay winner's check so you want to know how what, much how much does ge- my caddy get no, for a winner's check a caddy what generally is a caddy oh. Industry standard. Our high school yeah. golf professional. Industry standard. <laughs> Hunter Spencer. Just. Is uh, industry standard six to eight percent of the weekly take. Okay. And then ten percent of a win. Oh. So they're pretty invested in this. Yeah, they make good money. <laughs> they do good. They make good money. But that's funny too, because then it becomes real emotional. It's emotional for both you guys, because when you're up there and you're close, he's he's licking his lips too. Right. Well, why well, he's like, hey, if if my guy here can 
do- doesn't screw this up, I get like a good chunk of cash. Well, there's two ways to look at that. Okay. Do you do all this for the money? Uh, no, but it makes it possible. Right. Right. The, the, the money. <laughs> so it's like it becomes very complicated. The, the money. It's uh, and I, I can speak for my. His name's Scott Tway. He's one of the most fantastic people on this planet. He's my caddy. The money is always like, oh, oh, wow, that that too. Oh, like, yeah. You know what I mean. So yeah. he he works. He does. He loves to do it. And I mm-hmm. love and I love to do what I do. And it's about us trying to beat the golf course, beat all the other players, beat the conditions, and like that feeling that we get when we've done something successful. Like that's why we we do it. Yeah. That's why we do it together. That's why we met each other. Like that is why we do it. And so then like the money's like, oh cool, man. Like high five. No, I could picture that. Like if you're up there and it's down to the wire, you're not like counting dollars. You're chasing the wind. Well, that's and yeah. it's like. So I think it's a great exercise, and I swear someone came up with it to mess with people. But when you get done, so in golf you have to keep your keep someone else's score. Like this is sort of the pageantry of the whole thing. You have to keep the other person's score, and then you trade scorecards and you sign your own scorecard. So it's like a little bit of a. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's 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 a little it's a little antiquated, but. So you get into the like, sc- presumably someone else is also keeping score. Right, right. So say you've got <laughs> yeah. say, say there's two uh, two people playing. Uh-huh. I keep their score. They keep my. This score. still goes on now. Oh yeah. Can you imagine like Tom Brady? How many passes did you complete? Uh, but if you get the <laughs> but if you get it wrong, if you sign the wrong scorecard, you can get disqualified. Whole thing's kaput. Whole thing's gone. So it's you're at a tournament. At a tournament. I am still with pen and pencil, or pencil and paper, writing down some other writing dudes. down some other score, and then he I signed that one. So you have, so every scorecard has to have all the scores and two signatures for it to be legal and official. I would have thought at this point they would have hired like a guy to watch. Well, I'm it. sure there are those people. <laughs> yeah, there there but, also are are yeah. We couldn't yeah. just be like, hey, bro, like today, like you can't do that. And you're doing it because he's telling you, or because you're counting. No, I'm, I'm counting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they give, it's like an I had no official. Idea. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's, but anyway, so in, so you go into this area where you trade your scorecard, sign, turn it into the guy who checks them, mm. and then that's that. But in that room, they have the PJ Tour has this printout, and it's like first place this much, second place this much, third place, and it's got it all the way down. The, the, this much of the win. And it's always fun to watch guys get in there and, to, oh, you know, here I'm, I'm going to finish 25th and eight-way time will be right here. And I just, especially when it's a young guy, and I look at that and I'm like, I ain't got it. He ain't got it. Like, if that's what you're caring about right now, like, if you finish 20, like, when I finished 25th, I'm like, 24 people beat me. Mm. Like, what's the best way to, to get up there? Because the biggest check's that, that top one. Yeah. This one. So oh, he's finding solace. Right, so he's, you know, doing, going down the XY, like, oh, okay, okay, I'm going to be but all right. Isn't he, isn't he also <laughs> just trying to make yeah. enough money so he can play next week? Maybe? I mean, maybe, but... Or there, are there not anybody in on the professional tour that's that starving? There's nobody on the PJ Tour that's going to lose money for a year now. But uh, jump back to the caddy conversation. Because of your guys' bond and uh, your common goal of just getting better you don't have to worry about uh like scott throwing a little hgh in your iced tea or no uh you know <laughs> no. treat, treat guess, you like a thoroughbred racehorse that maybe just needs an extra extra jump on the line i wish now we get uh we get drug tested like every three weeks every month really oh yeah world anti-doping mm-hmm. wow yep. 
So what, uh, first off, how old are you? 36. Okay. What's an old golfer? 37. <laughs> 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 uh, no. uh, there's guys in their 40s that are still doing it, doing it really, really well. Yeah. Matt Kuchar, Zach Johnson, these guys, that are, they're just kind of timeless. But, I mean, so there, there's a senior tour. That starts at 50. There's a lot of guys in limbo, you know, 41 to 50 years old. Oh, where you're dragging ass before you can. Before well, you, you just, can, you know, yeah. it's a it's a physical game. You um, hit the ground as hard as you can with a stick for 30 years. You know, shit yeah. wears out. What winds up? So, what's the thing that goes? Is it is it driving distance? Yeah, is distance. What you lose as and you then get I, and then I think it's the want to. You know, I've got three kids. We spend thirty some odd weeks on the road a year. I do. They probably travel with me. I don't know. It used to be 60, 70 percent of the time. Now it's twenty or thirty percent of the of time. School and everything. Yeah. So you just end up. You know, you're by yourself in a hotel room for thirty weeks a year, and at some point, you get to an age where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like this is oh, it's like I just rather be home. You run out of gur. Yeah, you run out of run out of heart, run out of want to. Does your caddy hunt fish? Uh yeah, he's come with me a couple times. He loves to. Um, his brother, his older brother, is Bob Tway, famous golfer, and um, he just bought him a little place out in Colorado. So he's about to trailer his whole tractor and all his outfit up to Colorado to try to help him out. What do you mean? Just doing shit, cutting stuff down. Oh, okay. Proving the land. Oh, so he's doing, oh, helping yeah. do some wildlife management yep. landscape work. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. So he loves to he loves to hunt. He fly fishes a little bit. Um, he's been down to the Keys a few times fly fishing, but he uh, mostly just hangs out with his boys and comes to work. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, how do you rank your guys's uh, performance in like the snappy dresser lineup? And uh, clothing and golf is such a nuts deal no i i'm i'm a as simple as it could possibly get guy i don't i don't like to you don't wear pink pants no sir no white belts <laughs> no pink pants i don't dress up like an easter egg <laughs> <laughs> what colors do you go in then oh just drab, solids just grays, solids. grays grays whites blacks so what uh th- you, you don't have to tell me this with you specifically but just in a norm do you guys lift every day? Like, like what's what's the expectation on physical training for what you guys do? Uh, at home, I train uh, three days a week in the gym. I do another day of like, uh, like body reassessment, and then most of us have these uh, PTs that travel, and so we're getting constant work on the road. I'm only one day a week training, but uh, when I'm on the road, I'm at the course probably six days a week. Mm-hmm. So. You know, there's a difference between like being in like really good athletic shape and really good golf shape. Okay. Like golf shape's more flexibility and repetition. And, you know, we do most, most of my gym stuff is to try and increase distance, but most of all, like, um, decrease injury, like just trying to bulk up as much as I can to where I, my body can take the impact. Cause like me think about it, you go chop wood all day. Mm. hands hurt shoulders hurt back hurts like that impact and that, that sudden deceleration it just like it wears you out what's the most common injury backs backs hands wrists elbows shoulders that's where it goes and then uh how like how does your hunting and fishing calendar like summer's out yeah like, how, how, what's the hunting fishing calendar for uh well, for your it just, program. It, well, we just we we switched the um the schedule around a little bit on the PGA tour to where if you have a nice year, you can take most of the fall 
off. What's a nice year? You mean you want some money? You want some money. You, you're finishing a certain echelon so that you can afford to take, because last 11 years, our seasons, they've started in October and they've ended in mid-September. And so it's a constant, like, what? Yeah. It's a constant year round, like schedule. So like the most time I would have had off any given period would have been like three weeks of no golf, no tournament, nothing like important that I felt like I had to play in. It's like the way that you keep your job on the PGA tour is that it's a year long, like points list. And if you finish inside of the top 125, you get your job for the next year. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically been like a, a constant revolving door the last 11 years. Like if you don't win a tournament, you win a tournament, you've got a two year exemption or whatever it is, but you're almost oh. constantly under stress of like, oh, I have to go play at least a little in order to get ahead enough. To so be that able to it, play. Right. But if you win a big tournament, you get pulled out of that. You, you end up with different exemptions and different like access. It's all about to, your access to these tournaments. You don't have to chase it year right. round. Yeah. Right. So if you win a tournament, you're thinking, well, I'm going to go take some time off. Yeah. Is that what you do then? I mean, yeah, I do. I haven't touched the, I've touched the club once since the Ryder Cup, and that was four weeks ago. What have you been doing? Farming. <laughs> Unsuccessfully. <laughs> Butchering. <laughs> Unsuccessfully. Tell me about your farm program. What do you, what do you got going uh, on? I bought a place last year, a uh, big piece of hunting ground, um, about an hour south of where I live. And it's just, I've been just immersing myself and trying to manage it for the wildlife. And What kind of ground is it? wet it's very very wet um a lot of upland a lot of upland ponds you know in georgia we do the the whole uh pine tree farm regeneration you know regenerating the land stuff like that so i've got when you say pines what loblolly pines like loblolly slash um very few uh longleaf anymore but when they you know they come in they clear cut and then they replant the pines in rows so we've got probably half of it of my farms in that. And so, that's like a 40 year cycle or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. 30 to 40 years. Okay. Um, so lots of burning down a lot there of burning. Too. Yeah. But it's tough cause I'm right on the ocean and at every tide the wind switches. So you've got the time <laughs> to burn up for, it's like, Oh, we want a perfect West wind. I'm like, yeah, but it's high tide in two hours and the wind's switching. Yeah. And there's all these, you got neighbors to worry about everywhere. Right. So, I mean, uh, this is, uh, 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 this is embarrassing if this is a widely known thing, but the wind switches with the tide swing. Yeah. Cause of the, well, I mean the, the water that's in, you know, the water, oh, the water temperature, the water temperature and the land temperature are different. And it's not, got you. Yep. it's not like you'll have a 20 mile hour. Warm wind, water goes out and colder water it'll comes flip, in. And, it'll flip yeah. it, you know, slack tide, you know, it'll change a little bit. So if you're planning on a West wind for a burn and all of a sudden you get an East one, well, now you're running a head fire through something that you couldn't, mm-hmm. and you might be in some trouble. Your your hunting land is on the coast. It's it's within, yeah, it's within half a uh, quarter mile of like not open ocean, but like back river brackish ocean. Got it, got it. So we do. I've got about twenty five acres worth of food plots that we tried, and um, what'd you try for that? We do this. Uh, it's it's oats, wheat, um, rape radishes. Uh, we tried to. I mean, a lot of years we'll top seed it with uh, these iron and clay peas. Mm-hmm. Try to stay away from like the rye grass. Why is that? It's not native and it, it'll seed out and it's a nightmare. Oh, it spreads. Mm-hmm. I got you. It's, like a, the, it um, spreads like a radish don't. No one ever has a radish <laughs> infestation. <laughs> no, no, radish infestation. <laughs> um, no, our, our turkey numbers are really good. We've tried to, like I said, burning. 
And uh, but the water has been the the big problem. We've um, too much of it. Too much. Too much water. Um, you got beavers. Got so many beavers. Is that right? <laughs> really? So but those beavers. are southern beavers, man. They are. They're they're not the pretty ones. <laughs> no. They're not. I don't, I'm not sure their fur is worth worth much of anything. Is your is your dad? Uh, he likes his land deal. Probably he loves huh? it. Yeah. He <laughs> loves it. So he'll ride your ass he about the farm. Loves it. Like it's he all never he did about golf. He retired last year and. He's he's my man. He's my land manager right now. He's right. down there. He's doing great. So what um what's you guys what's you guys goal to place? Well, that's that's where I struggle cuz I've got, you know, some sorry, so for example, I've got I've got these trees that are ready to be cut, ready mm-hmm. to be harvested. And you cut these trees down and it's like, well, now now what do I do? You know, traditionally there you would replant it in rows, you know, with this mounded up with these pine trees. And in 30 years, we'd cut it down again. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if that's the way. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's... So I'm tempted to make it, to try to restore, try to figure out what it was and maybe restore it that way. Can I help you with this? Of course you can. Can I connect you with Robert Abernathy? That'd be fantastic. Oh, dude, we got... Yeah. I mean, if you just realize that... Uh, Trees didn't naturally grow like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, and well, there could I, be a, no, the, a wildlife benefit. No, the reason to... I struggle with it is that. So I bought this farm selfishly because I love to hunt and I love to. I love everything that goes involved. I like it top to bottom. I like the farm. I like killing them. I like eating them. I like butcher. I like all of it. But my, I don't know what my kids are going to be into. Yeah, and it's like, and part of that, it's like if I replant these trees because it's an, a successful way to grow timber and to harvest it yep. and it's sustainable so you, you being it. torn is like do you want to pull it out of commercial right don't want to stop you know taking no. any sort of income off the land because i care about the landscape or you know do i kick it the can down plant the a little future parents, crop like, for your kids right you know it was funny because uh we're gonna return to this and i want cal to talk about this long leaf deal the, the robert abernathy who i'm friends with he used to be he was the ceo or president however they run it of the Longleaf Alliance. He's retired. Cal tell you who's in there now. But I met people with Robert down in South Carolina mm-hmm. who were showing us, and they're, they were literally showing us, like, my parents planted this for us kids. Yeah. Because the turnaround. Oh, for a Longleaf is... No, no, lo- the Loblaw. Oh, Loblaw, sorry. yeah. And it, for uh, telephone poles. That's right. And, and the it's turnaround is you, you plan it, um, and they were talking about that 60 years ago, whatever the hell it was, whenever the hell you get a phone pole, yep. this woman, this elderly woman remembered as a kid out planting these things. Yeah. Hmm. And it was sort of like they were planting it for her to have money, yep. you know? Well, Loblaw. Which is a, like, like I said, it's a very slow but predictable turn, you know? Well, and that's the thing is that I, I'd like to find out if there were actually, because a long, so like a Loblaw pine tree and a slash pine tree, they're mature 20 to 30 years old. And then at 30, they're almost, I mean, I've got 30-year-olds that are telephone pole stuff right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably off on the years. No, no, no. But, yeah, but yeah. so for a long leaf, which is what our traditionally our southern forests were consisted of, it's 100 years before it's a mature tree. Hmm. Like it's a very slow growing. So it's not. That's your grandkids. That's not a sustainable. Well, I mean, you think about all the things we use pine trees for cardboard boxes, all the stuff that is just constantly going. Yeah. Like it's not feasible to plant long leaves if you have a tree farm. Understood. <laughs> so, yeah. but it was traditionally what was there. Yeah. And you get that like, uh, 
I don't know what they, I don't know what they call it, Savannah, but yeah. So it'd be very big trees and all that shaded grass oh, underneath it. And they used to have the quail and all that. Oh maybe. yeah. And our, and our turkeys were, were way different. And, uh, I'm not so sure if our turkeys are, if it's the, cause, cause we've got a turkey problem. I, I don't know what's, I don't know what's causing it, but it, declining numbers, declining numbers. And I, I, I thought the other day that maybe, I, I mean, I, I've, Listen to a bunch of different stuff about it, but I, I think it might be our. I'm not sure if it's the actual type of tree, like loblolly versus longleaf, because I don't think there's much nutrition for a turkey in a pine tree. But I think our forestry practices, like we used to have to keep the the lanes maintained, and then you would burn it so that we could access it, like mm. so that we could walk through it, and you end up with all this great habitat for turkeys. Well, now these forestry machines, they'll go anywhere. Like the terrain means nothing. And mm. so we've stopped burning. We've stopped maintaining these lanes because when it's time to cut, you just go in there. They're going to cut it no matter what. Cut it no matter what. And when you burn these live lollies and slash, you, you, you weaken them, you know, slightly, but enough. And we get these pine beetles and that'll be that. And so a forestry guy will tell you, don't burn anything. Whereas all the turkey guys are like, oh, oh we want to burn everything. Um, but, but the guys that are just looking at it for timber – Oh, that's a no burning, no hmm. burning. Uh, you got to go. It's very close to you, but uh, tall timbers. Have you heard of that? I have not. Um, so they work with, but they're like a kind of fire ecology. They work with state, federal, tons of NGOs. So uh, Quail Forever, uh, NWTF. They do a ton of work with tall timbers and and vice versa. But it it is they have like a giant database probably like for the amount of precipitation you get your soil type right. everything on what that what your options would be for prescribed burning and and what was historically there because mm-hmm. a lot of what they do is they'll take these old historic trees whether they're like pulled out of a swamp um just an old stump that's sitting on somebody's land and they'll go through there and they'll find what uh the pre-heavy European management style uh, fire cycle was in those areas. And then they can look at the seed bank as well and be like, oh yeah, and here's all the all the plants that that were here and and kicking butt. Um, It's interesting though, the damn economics of the farm will always be in the way. Um, well, that's, that's sort of why it's, it's like, I didn't buy the farm to make money on it. I bought it to enjoy it. And like, I feel a responsibility to, to, to restore it back to yeah. the way that it was. Yeah. But it, you know, it's a long game. Yeah, so it that's, is. That's I, won't, I, I won't see it. Right. But, so, which is, which is cool. fine. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. And I'm, I'm it's fine. It's fine guys. It is. It <laughs> is. But yeah, you want to have it set up to where he, your kids aren't going to like feel the pinch right away. And, yep. but you know, like using cattle as deforesters, oh, man. um, and, and doing cool stuff like that. Could that supplement the, the timber, har- you know, a it's relatively cer- hands off. Certainly what the they used harvest. to do there. There's these old, they call them these lift stations where they, they, uh, drill down into the Florida aquifer. And I had a, and one was leaking. So I have a well guy come out and he fixed it. He goes, man, they probably did this in the 19 teens. <laughs> and then we've got these giant, these water chestnut trees. They call them cow oaks. He's like, I bet what they used to do is that they probably used to graze their cattle underneath all these big cow oak trees. And this is where they water them. 
So oh, they had okay. a couple of these different water stations. Interesting. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Man, I'm just coming back uh, not too long ago from youth turkey season in Wisconsin. Now, last year at youth turkey season, it rained and snowed the whole time. This year at youth turkey season, it was in the 70s and even up to 80. So me and my kids are pouring it to it. And after a while, I realized they didn't drink anything all day and they haven't drank anything all day. Well, that's why it's important to get hydrated and have something you're going to like to help you, encourage you to get hydrated. doesn't matter. Outdoor events, turkey hunting, playing sports, beach days, mountain adventures. Summer requires extraordinary hydration that's built for everyday dehydrating moments. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick, it's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. I'll say that again. Hydrates better than water alone. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and you use code MEATEATER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MEATEATER at liquidiv.com. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from ButcherBox. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. I, at home, well, I got two freezers, but you know what I'm saying. I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff. I like feeling prepared, man. When I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in. I got all my proteins lined up in there. Just makes me feel good about stuff. And with ButcherBox, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash eater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash meat eater. Make sure you use code meat eater. 
to choose your free for a year offer plus $20 off your first order. Now that I had a chance to think about this, here's what you ought to do. Okay. Put this whole thing in some kind of conservation easement. Mm-hmm. That way your kids, even if your kids turn out to be lunatics, nothing they're going to do about it. They'll right. be a little, ha- little <laughs> tied on hamstring yeah. them. Get a forester in there and say, let's say I manage this for timber. What during my kids, how old are your kids? Seven, five, and one. Okay, so I got a seven, five, and one-year-old. Let's say I manage this for timber. And I know no one has a crystal ball to understand timber markets and futures and all that. But let's just say, reasonably, what could they expect to pull off this timber harvest? Take that dollar figure. Go out and win that much playing golf. Put that into some kind of little fund for your kids. So now you don't got to worry about screwing them out of the timber money. There you go. Because you just left them the money. (laughs) Game plan the next 80 years, just like that. (laughs) You plant Over the coffee. whole, then you plant the whole thing in Longleaf. This is why you came here, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Everybody's a winner. Well, not, not, not everybody. Not the gets, reason I came here. This is the reason that you're not going to get a meat eater mug because you're getting all this information. <laughs> like everybody else gets the mug, you get a whole life plan. Yeah, this is great. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Uh, my good friend Doug Dern. Um, he always when his thing about land management is he's always talks about you know there's what the farmer gets out of it. What's the hunter get out of it? He says, what's the land get out of it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Because I, I just, I, I want it, when you look at that old, like, pine forest, savanna look with the with the grass, it's just the most beautiful landscape. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I wish I could snap my fingers and make it happen yeah. tomorrow. But I just, I feel like we're missing an opportunity. We end up with these super dense, thick, pine forest that you can't walk through um provides great cover for the deer but for our for our upland birds turkeys they're they're struggling how's your dad at trapping pretty good is he yeah <laughs> yeah we're my brother my brother's the trapper he's a he took over my dad's uh dentistry practice but he's a very meticulous very meticulous person and trapping really really kind of lead lends himself into him being really good. He gets after the mid-sized predators. The, yeah, the coyotes, they, he, he's hard on them, really hard on them. When Raccoons, you really good at it. Coons, skunks, possums. We could trap, we could trap raccoons. Um, I have a healthy, healthy population of them. For the upland birds. Yep. They're, that's what you need to they're knock brutal. out. They're brutal. And we've got hogs. Our hogs, I think, are almost as bad on our turkeys mm. as anything else. Do you hunt the hogs? Yes. Yeah. You like to cook those up? We do. We make, make sausage. We don't uh we don't fool with all of them, but um. I mean, you'd kind of assess them. Yeah, I mean, we, we we've put up we've put up some good numbers on the pigs. It, uh, there's a bunch of them. It's a it's it's. Kind Are you of trapping them too? Then trapping yeah. them nighttime. Yeah. Huh. By any means necessary. Yeah. It's a constant battle. Kind of a, a shoot on sight rule yes. on the farm. Like if yeah. you're if you're a, if you're hunting there and your deer hunt does not become a pig hunt, then it's like. Like grounds for dis disinvitation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. are you do you remember your tour card card's been pulled? Exactly. Yeah. Like it's like, man, hogs show up. It, whatever we're doing, it's a hog hunt. Yeah. Do you remember, and maybe I'm wrong about how Georgia plays into this, but um quail is just generally like way down. Yeah, quail the the quail population in Georgia is almost non existent. You've got some some central 
Georgia guys that have got these giant tracts of land that they've managed for, you know, released birds, essentially. Okay. And they've ended up being able to cultivate some smaller populations. But I just don't think that we possess enough brooding habitat for it to be sustainable long term. But do you remember, are you old enough to remember back to good quail hunting? I don't remember good quail okay. hunting. So it was that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember it. And I still haven't heard of anyone, you know, in Texas, they've still got some, a, a, the decent wild quail, but in Georgia, it, it's got to be several, couple generations at least. So that when you're doing your, when you're working on your land, that's not a, that's not, a, that's just kind of a fool's errand. If it, if it comes to fruition, it'll be a result of us trying to manage it for turkeys because it's a lot of the same sort of activities. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine with our coyotes and our birds of prey that, that a quail has got much of a chance. I don't know how they ever existed in Georgia in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many birds of prey that, I mean, a quail is just not very good at staying alive. <laughs> That's the very, truth. They're very poor. Um, well, it's, it's habitat. Yeah. It's, yeah, that change in the habitat regime, right? Um, the I know uh, Georgia, it's DNR, Georgia DNR, right? Yeah. They, they have some really cool programs on, on some of the state WMAs where they have sustainable wild quail populations. It'd be like drawing a big game hunt. Where like you put in for a draw to go hunt to go hunt it? Yep. Really? Yeah. Oh, and then oh. if you get drawn, you get um you can bring people with you, but you're still held to like the one person limit of quail. No kidding. Yeah. How come yeah. I don't apply for this? It was it's I'd love do. to do it. I didn't even neat. care before <laughs> and I want to apply. Just hearing there's something to apply for gets me excited. Like to, <laughs> but there like are this, these like yeah. test cases there. And then there's a bunch of private places as well. But there's these uh, you know, state managed places too, where they're like, this is what you need to have these populations. And that's, that's why they exist. But yeah, it's, there's, it all always comes down to habitat. Yeah. I border, I have a WMA neighbors to my North and South and our Georgia DNR, they've, they need, they need more funding and more help. It's just, it's that's like where all the over, hogs are coming from. Overwhelming. It's like they have an overwhelming piece of ground and they don't have enough manpower to to keep it so yeah, yeah there's the because what happens on that ground well so so you know in georgia we've got these great initiatives we've got the long leaf initiative where they'll basically come in and plant the trees for you and they did that all over this wma but the seed bank of slash and loblolly is so heavy because that had been timbered before oh. that it just shoots up and it's like well that's that i got you, you know and then you can it's like they try to do too much at once. It's like, okay, we're going to take, you know, a thousand acres and put them in longleaf. It's like, well, the burning conditions aren't good enough down here. Because like, even when a, a, a longleaf is itty bitty, you set it, I mean, they need fire to force them like into tree form. And so you can burn all that stuff, but if you're not burning it every single year, you know, a loblolly or a slash pine tree will outgrow a, a longleaf 10 mm. to 1. So they put them in the ground, but then they don't have the they don't have the funding and manpower to to execute. Or the weather, you know, if you don't get I the see. if the weather's not right and you don't get it. I mean, there's years to where there are places that you just won't be able to burn because you it's too wet, the weather's not right, don't get a good day, whatever. And if you don't do that, a loblolly is going to be three times the size as a as a one year old than a and a longleaf will be as a three or four year old. You yep. see what I'm saying? So if they ever don't burn it. Then it's it's pretty much that's that. 
What's uh, what's your kids interest? I mean, I know some of them are too young to really have much, but what's your kids interest? In I've all taken this? my so I have a, a daughter, two sons. My daughter's seven, son's five. I've taken them down to the farm. They love it. We ride around. They shoot that little twenty-two. I'm just easing them into. I'm easing them into everything as much as I loved fishing with my dad and hunting with my dad. I mean, there were days where we're fishing and it's pouring down rain and we're still out there. And mm-hmm. it's like, dad, I'm not having fun. <laughs> this is not fun. And it's like, it almost took a period. Like it almost took a little while. I almost had to like refine it as a young adult. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's almost like we you got a little burned out, a little burned out, but, um, I wouldn't trade that experience for any, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. hard to, it's hard to like, oh, I wish my dad hadn't have taken me that day. Like, of course not. But um, I'm just trying to ease my kids into it because I want them to like it. You know, I want them to really like it. I want them to want to go. Because um, mm-hmm. if you're having to drag them down there, it's just not, it's not fun. Yeah. Can I ask you more uh, financial questions about Sure, golfing? man. <laughs> <laughs> if you, so... Throughout the year, there's a huge, uh, massive variability what you could earn playing throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Like good years, bad years. Yep. Uh, what do guys do? You know, you have an expectation to you, you whatever you figure out your what your house costs, family, everything, and you have an expectation that you need to turn that. There's some dollar figure that you have to hit, and everything else is gravy but what are these guys doing that go through that thing and they don't hit it it's a lot of stress i mean do they then have do you then spin out and have to go get a job and then that job pulls you out of trying again the next year happened that's happened a lot there's there's a lot of guys that um i i just i've always operated to where i don't purchase things until until i feel like i did i wouldn't have to finance them like i just like i've got things that i want and those things haven't changed in size like I always wanted a farm and like, just cause I was successful doesn't mean that the acreage of that farm tripled. Right. So I, I've just never let myself get into trouble in, in that sense, but it's happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, like as I've gotten more successful, like my house size doesn't need to get any bigger. Like I've got a 24 foot boat that I bought several years ago. And like, it's the biggest boat that I can own because it's the biggest one that I can take care of. Like if I had a bigger boat, it would be a complete pain in the ass. And I'd have to almost pay someone to like take care of the boat for me. And I don't want to have to do stuff like that. So do you always have to live where, do you always have to live where you can, where you have to anticipate that you might just have a shitty year? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's real. Like so you have to there's have no buffer. base salary mm-hmm. for, with your company, your card. Nope. Zero. How many Americans make a living on, like not, not in the golf industry, but how many Americans make a living playing golf? Um, probably not like, you know, golf pros and coaches. Yeah. But. I'm uh, touring, touring pros that make a, make, I mean, it depends on what probably 150. And then out of Maybe all less. that, how much, um, out of your annual, do you do, you do all kinds of, you probably do endorsement deals and sponsorships and all that. Yeah. Is that, is that more important than the, than the, no, the, the, the win, all, the winning all, money yeah, is it's, more it's, important. It's about as pure of a meritocracy as you get. Is that right? Yep. So make more money on the course than you do off the course uh, for the most part. But the better that you do on the course leads to more off the course stuff. So it's all about like how you perform. Mm-hmm. But you, you, should, you should love that. 
<laughs> why do you why do you hate it so much? <laughs> I don't know. Because I was telling you, it's hard to hit. You're just the no, ball. you're just no good. It's hard to hit the ball as far <laughs> yeah, as you're just no good at. It. It. I'm not yeah. good at fly fishing, but I don't. Hate I want to hit one of them. I want to. <laughs> I want to hit one of them ones that has that slow. You know when they get that slow curve to yeah. them. A draw or fade. Oh yeah. Dude. Learn about draws just and fades. Wow. And you can lean back and whistle as it goes. <laughs> yeah. Pull. <laughs> you know I met um. Bryant Gumble one time. Okay. And uh, he killed a seagull with a golf ball. Yeah, it, it happens. Have you I almost done? killed a person. With a, oh, <laughs> that's even worse. Yeah, we were playing uh, up in a playoff event, Ridgewood Country Club. He's got this drivable par four. So it's par four. I'm hitting driver, and I just I, I slice it over to the left. And the guy's looking up. One of the guys in the guy looking up hits him right and oh. right on oh. the side of the mouth, mm. splits him all the way almost up to his temple. And so I walk up. And Did first, it blow his teeth out? Huh? No, it didn't blow any of his teeth out. Just, just split him wide open somehow. So I walk up there, and the first thing I see is the blood. Sure. There's this puddle of blood. And the first thing I think of, like, that's a dead deer. <laughs> 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 right. So I walk up to this guy. This guy is such a great sport. But, yeah, man, those, that stuff happens a lot. People get hit by golf balls, and it is, it's a dangerous. I would never go. I would never take my kids to go watch a golf tournament. I mean, because uh, getting pegged. Oh man, guys get hit all the time. And your caddy reaches into his bag and pulls out the latex gloves, and yeah, he has to yeah, start. yeah, stitch him up. <laughs> do you ever <laughs> stitch uh, him up? Do you ever strike relationships where you get to where you get to fish on, uh, or you do any fishing or hunting on golf I courses? Oh man, I, as much as, as much as I, feel I like would, you could leverage the shit out of that. I, yeah, man. I could, but I, I have to like compartmentalize it because if all I thought about was hunting and fishing when I'm working, then I would be horrible at what I do. So, like when I'm on the road and I've I've gotten invited to go do some cool stuff. Like, oh man, you gotta go fish here. You gotta do this, and I'm like, I, I'm here. I gotta work, and it's oh sucks. really? I'm, yeah, it sucks. But so you don't like run out for an evening, you know, evening no, bite. We, we go like when we play in Honolulu. We go to Honolulu every year, and there's this huge flat right behind where we stay, and there's guys <laughs> that are out there, and they catch these giant bonefish, uh-huh. and you just watch them out there all day long, walking around like, ah, damn, that looks fun. <laughs> like, man, that <laughs> but looks you won't fun. let yourself do nope, it. Nope. Because what Discipline. would happen? I would waste. I would either waste time. I'd, I would either waste time where I should be in the gym resting or working, practicing. So like you, I, that time is budgeted. Like I get there. There's a plan. There's things that I have to do. And if I made the choice to go out and go fish as much as I would love to, uh-huh. like that. Yeah. So you're in so you Florida never, and you <laughs> see that giant eight pound smallmouth come out. Yeah, I've got giant bass right down there. And you're just, that's just compartmentalized. That's just white noise off on the side. Uh, I mean, we, we will mess with the alligator. Sometimes. Does your dad have, <laughs> does your dad have like a travel rod that he brings along in tournaments and he sneaks I have to beg him to come to golf tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> he's, usually, he's usually just drinking a Budweiser and waiting for it to be over. Like, he doesn't like it at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, that's pretty surprising that you have to be the i guess that's like just the, the discipline man right like just yes, having discipline all it's the time. uh i mean i feel like your success is a result of all the little bitty choices that you make and i just try to make the right ones yeah what's your diet like it's pretty good a lot of meat a lot of vegetables mm-hmm. trying not to eat a bunch of stuff but i have trouble what do you eating. avoid well i got high cholesterol so trying to avoid as much red meat as I was eating, okay. but it's that's been a tough one. Mm-hmm. That's been a real tough one. Well, not uh, to be biased against where you're from, mm-hmm. but how are you cooking the red meat? <laughs> <laughs> are you sure it's the meat? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, chicken fry. Yeah, ca- cast iron most of the time. I've uh, tried to switch over to the olive oil from butter, but uh-huh. that hasn't been near as fun. Yeah, no, I I mean, just like medium rare salt, pepper, throw it on yeah. the grill, nice and easy. Yeah, no, I don't eat hardly any fried food. Um, Yeah, try to stay away from a bunch of sugar. Yeah, yeah. I just try to do the best I can. Get still grilled. high cholesterol, huh? Grilled yeah, it's a, it, running it, your family. It's a it. My dad's got it. Yeah, yeah. Good blood pressure. Yeah, yeah. Blood pressure of a swimmer, but cholesterol is a nightmare. We've gone through your diet. Yeah, we've gone through your finances, <laughs> relationships, <laughs> relationships. Yeah, happily happily married, three kids. How long have you been married? Uh, coming up on nine years. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Nine years in December. And does she golf? No. She like to hunt? No. Huh. Sure doesn't. Your kids she, like to golf? It's uh, too early to tell. Not, not yet. They've got the like got little bitty clubs. Um, just the odds and ends. My five year old, he started going to the golf course a little bit, but he doesn't care. He just likes it because he gets candy when, yeah. he, when he goes home. <laughs> oh, they're not they're not training like four hours a day? No, sir. No. <laughs> What's no, your sir. what's your go to uh what's your go to venison preparations? How do you like to cook it? Um we do I do the back straps and tenderloins. Uh, pure style, the rest of it. Uh, we just started making our own burger. Uh, would usually, you know, take out the really nice parts, keep those, send the rest of the processor and get the burger back. Um, oh, so you do your own, yeah, you do your own whole muscle stuff, then just bring it down to get it ground. Right. I got you. Yeah. So most of the time we don't like, so it's so warm and humid where we're usually hunting that the meat's almost always coming right off the bone. If we don't have a walk-in, we don't, don't have access you. to a walk-in freezer. So yeah. hang them. Meat's all the way off the bone, uh, right into a cooler. Pick out all the good parts that that we don't need help with, and then the stuff that you know the time consuming, the the grinding, and because you got to hustle, usually got you can't hustle. just go hang in your garage for ten days. No, the we just can't. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. The, our environment, we just there's just no chance, mm-hmm. no chance. So, um, I mean, I'm a tenderloin backstrap guy, yeah. and then uh, if I've got time. I, I, I'm sure that you don't like when people make stuff into jerky, but I love making jerky. What are you talking about, man? Yeah, that just seems like an anti-purist thing to oh, do with no. a piece, piece, piece of meat. I love no, it, man. I was walking around eating my own jerky yesterday. So I make a ton of jerky. Um, There's nothing wrong with jerky. Clay uh, Clay Newcomb talks about, he talks about how he's always getting burger Gr- shame. Grind shame. Yeah, grind <laughs> shame. Because <laughs> he just grinds the whole deer up and he has to get burger <laughs> shame. He's got to make the big three or the yeah, big the four. Big three <laughs> tacos. <laughs> tacos. I need uh, uh, alien spaghetti. spaghetti. I, need, I need heart help. The, the, hmm. the, the heart has been a, a tough one. I get, sometimes the heart comes out and it's like the, be, like the, best, the best piece. Uh-huh. And then other times I'm like, I don't want to eat this. How do you cook it? I've cooked it the same way every time, just cast iron and butter. I mean, yeah, huh? I just, it, it's it's like it's more of a heart to heart problem. Heart like to the heart. flavor, yeah, that was a flavor, show. yeah. Just mm. it, like some of some of them, and then, like some, it's just like mm, this is like a gamey, organy taste, like, like a bad just, heart, like a bad heart. Are you trimming it just out? A, just a yeah, trimming out best I can. You can put it in salt water, salt, and water. that'll you know deironize it a little bit. Okay, but. I might cook you deer heart tonight. Okay. We're gonna have deer meat. Great. Damn sure gonna have deer meat. Perfect. Perfect. What everybody wants to know. Fixed blades or mechanical? <laughs> fixed blades. Fixed blades. Tell me so, more. I knew, so, I knew we liked each other. Yes. <laughs> so, Tell me more. Um, and this is this is my testimonial to the the Meat Eater podcast. You ready? Yeah. So uh I've been on four elk hunts. 
Uh, the first three of which I hunted with Matthew's boat, and I'm using an arrow that's around 400 grains, and I'm using Rage Hypodermics. Now, I was three for three, first three hunts, but it was very concerning because my arrow was not getting the penetration. It just wasn't. And I'm making shots from inside of 30 yards, made really, really good shots on some of these animals, and other than getting lucky a couple times, like could have lost elk after really good shots. I listened to the Dr. Ashby, Mm -hmm. listened to the the Archer's Paradox, and started started from the ground up, bought the heaviest arrows I could find, um, cut them down. Just steel rods. No, they're they're these Easton, you know, whatever, (laughs) 10 grains per inch. The heaviest ones, I was because I've got a short draw. I pull 70 pounds. My draw is at 27 inches, so I don't have the luxury of speed. I've got no speed, so I've got to be careful because if I'm shooting a 600-grain arrow, like I can't shoot past 30 yards, 40 yards. It's just, it's just not feasible. So I wanted to end up with a high 400-finished-grain arrow. So I did that, um, built the arrows, and then did the, uh, the, not, the paper, paper tune, no, not, or no uh, fletchings, knock-tuned all the arrows, and the last time I went, I used a uh, iron wheel, 125 grain. So I had 500 grain finished arrows. They were all um, knock tuned. And 40 yards, the longest shot, shot I'd made on an elk, uh, slightly quartering, um, slightly quartering to total pass through. Like just extra 100 grains on the arrow, different uh, broadhead. So I'm a, I'm a fixed guy, period. Yeah. I mean, this isn't exactly like a lab. Yeah, well... I mean, there's things that it hits and doesn't hit. That's true. But I mean, I shot an elk at 12 yards mm-hmm. with an expandable, and my arrow goes in eight yeah, inches. I understand. And, hit and, the shoulder? No. Or no? No, it was, oh. it was very very dark. Hits a little back, quartering away, kind of liver into the... Um, backside into the, of one lung? Backside of one lung. I've been having... I've been doing some broadhead soul searching. Okay. And uh, I find that you are, that not you, but us humans, were heavily influenced by the last arrow we shot. Okay. <laughs> um, <And> I, <laughs> lost a deer, lost a, do, a deer two years ago, which it was either because of the expandable or um, y'all mess much with that third axis stuff, like with the sight. You know what I'm Well, I mean, about. I make sure I'm dialed. Yeah. Right. Because uh, you don't, and when you sit there in your backyard and shoot, Parallel to the ground, you never notice it, and then it's right. all of a sudden you start oh, third axis level. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm straight down on this deer. Feel like I make a good shot. Yeah. It it misses. You know the deer's facing left to right. I make a good what I feel like is a good shot. I mean, deer's right up underneath me, and I make a good shot and hits him in the top of the shoulder. Air goes in this far with the expandable. Don't mm. find him. I feel like if I'd have hit, if I'd have made that same shot with a fixed blade, dead or no, he's, he's dead. Hundred percent. Yeah. Because when you're shooting, you know, I lost deer the other day and I hit it too far back. And I kept thinking that if I had had something that now that's and I had had something that opened up like a hell hole, (laughs) there is no perfect, there's no perfect answer. You're probably right. I mean, you're probably right. Yeah. And we weren't in the South, but it was South ish. South ish. And man, those deer, when you get up to them, you're like, oh man, that's not a very big deer. They're not big at all. (laughs) Like what you're normally thinking of that you're aiming where you're going to give yourself five inches. Yeah. They're twitchy too. And it's like five inches puts you like 
Oh. And where you don't want to be part of the deer, <laughs> yeah. man. A hundred pound doe, 30 yards. I mean, right, we're right, that's a twitchy, twitchy yeah. animal. Yeah. And they're already tiny. So when do you get what what's on your your fall schedule? When do when do things heat up for you guys? You're already getting after it probably now, aren't you? No, we so I'll start back up. I got one more tournament. No, I mean your hunting plan. Hunting? Oh yeah. man, I'm I'm we gotta redo food plots. We did them uh two weeks ago, worked our hands to the bone, had this rain coming. I, I, it was dry. Like it's hard for me because I have to pick a dry spell to plant, um, because I can't get in there otherwise. Like mm-hmm. where the where our plots are. Like I don't want to rut it up too bad. So the rain's coming. It's dry. I'm like, let's try it. So we go plant, work our hands above for two days, and then we got five inches of rain. <laughs> Okay. Supposed to get like half an inch. Get yeah, five. you want so a nice dry out. planting weather, then some nice sprinkles, and right, and then know. that's it. Uh, so it didn't get that. So I think we got to redo all that. Um, but when does hunting heat up for you guys? Man, I'm just I'm so focused on trying to get this place like ditched, and you're not even worried about it. Not really. I mean, I sat the other night and I was like, "Damn, this place is still wet." I guess like I just want to go buy an excavator and just start moving water. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you got that where you can't relax until you get unpacked, kind of thing. Right. <laughs> Right. I What's just your like, uh, wood duck situation? You got a bunch piles, of piles of wood ducks. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah. Piles yeah. of wood ducks. Yeah. See, that's so funny. Like where when we does are, that where we are, we're like ah, wood duck. What? But someone kills a redhead somewhere, like oh my god. Right. Oh yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. You guys got good wood ducks. Great wood ducks. I see. That was our duck. Kill, go kill you three wood ducks. Be at Waffle House at seven fifteen, man. Yeah. That was our growing Sounds up. That nice. was our duck. You know, that was like when, when the, in Michigan the opener. You get some mallards, but you know we would focus. We would hunt ducks heavily for a week. Yep. And it was wood ducks, you know, right when the season opened. We so, did. like, right now, basically. And then, um, now, man, I would just kill to go. Uh, my buddy, who I'd mentioned earlier, my buddy Doug, he gets wood ducks on his little pond. I'm always like, it'd be so fun to go in there and hunt. Yeah, it's funny. So, there's a, uh, there's a, a WMA duck hunting place in Darien. It's called Rhett's Island, but it's a, they're old rice plant, they're old rice fields. Uh, so it's diked up out of brackish water. So it's mm-hmm. fresh-ish, fresh-er water inside the the impoundment. Yeah. But in order to get into the impoundment, you've got to take, you know, we had a little duck boat, and it's got a winch on the front. And you got to winch up the wooden pullover and then Sweet. basically ride the boat down <laughs> into it. it. So, yeah. so we're getting out there. You ever see the movie Fitzcarraldo? I have not. Put that on your list. Okay. It's about it. moving a boat. So Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, we're hunting rats every single time. So my point is, like, we would go to this effort leaving at two in the morning, getting there, decoys out so that we could shoot like one buffle head and like two ringnecks <laughs> as opposed to like going and sitting in any swamp and killing three wood ducks. Oh my, why? So we would literally move heaven and earth to kill anything but a wood duck. That's amazing. Because <laughs> they just don't have like the cultural we don't have We don't have the, we just don't have the variety. But it's also uh, just a very tasty duck. I'm just oh, saying, very tasty duck. Like, like, Looks good, tastes good. I mean, what more could you want? Oh, From I got Brian's place. Like, can you imagine? Like, I feel like my hunting would have been vastly slowed down. Like, I wouldn't know as much as I know if I was like, well, I can go to this spot, kill three super tasty ducks and a pig every day. Oh, you never I, learned I, anything. I, right? I'd be like, oh, 100%. <laughs> I could, I could almost guarantee that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Late, late December. That's when I got to come down. Three wood ducks and a pig. Is this an invite? I can't tell. Man, whenever. <laughs> I'll come down whenever. And it's three woodies a day? Three woodies per person, yes. And we'd be getting drakes. Yeah, you could probably pick out drakes. But it, it's, it's hard because it's so dark because you're in a swamp. They fly early. 
and then it's done. Like there is no like mid morning fly. And you guys don't do an mm-hmm. evening sit. You can't. You already got. You already, you already do the morning. It's yeah. Pretty much impossible to do it legally. Because they're just coming in after dark. Yep. And you kind of ruined a spot, right? Well, they they. Yeah, I mean, you you've totally blown their roost up. Yeah. Uh, when you when you roost on it, it's it's it's. So what are you impossible. going out into in the morning? Like, what are they coming into to feed in? Just cypress swamps. Really? Mm-hmm. That'd be gorgeous, dude. It I want to come down there cool. so bad. Come on, man. man. Come on. You shoot all the wood ducks you want. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We can have that hemmed up. Hunter's down that neck of the woods. Can he come with? We would. We we you had a lease. Golf. We had a. We were part of. Like, this, let me show uh, you how I did it back in high school. <laughs> a cockpack. We had, we we were part of a, a cool duck hunting place down in uh, Lake City, Florida, where it was a phosphate mine. And to mine the phosphate, they were always having to move the water around, so they would end up with different giant holding places and then flooded timber. So we'd go in the flooded timber and try and kill the gadwall and the the teal, and then we'd hunt the big bodies of water for the canvasbacks and the redheads, cool. and ringnecks. So we had like. This all that being said, like we could have just been killing wood ducks the whole time. We literally drive like three hours. <laughs> it's a really fun time in Montana right now. Like pre-storm, we're just like starting to get the central migrations just kind of starting. Um, and I was did a lot of walking and came across all sorts of little odd bodies of water this weekend. And um, so funny, like irrigation ditch sized chunk of water and uh, six ring bells flying off Gosh. of us. You're like, oh, oh he's jazzed oh, cool. yeah. me nuts when we play golf and we have a big tournament in Phoenix every year and they've got this giant holding pond in the middle and it's just thousands of ducks, widgeons. I mean, just well, I thought you had so much <sighs> discipline that you don't notice that kind of stuff. Uh, well, I, I notice it. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't go, knock at the clubhouse to get permission. He has to make that choice. It would be yeah. perfect because they all get up and leave every night too. It's like you got a late practice around or something or you're finishing up late. They all just get up and go. That was always my favorite part of duck hunting. It's like like watching them all go to roost. The lift yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So uh, tell people how to find you on uh, what's the best way to track your, uh, well, your I doings. I don't. I don't. You do have an Instagram. Page. I have an Instagram. Yep. I don't care if people find. Is it, it public or not? Public? Yeah, it's public. Harmon so, Brian on Instagram. If you want to see some. Why do you stuff? not you put adopt farm, you put farm the butcher? I, haven't, I don't, Can you do that? Can you yeah, change? Yeah, damn them? right. You can. Let's change it. We'll change it. Tonight. Yeah, we're having dinner. <laughs> Brian right? the butcher. We'll get it all. We'll get this all figured <laughs> out. Yeah, it's Brian great. Brian the butcher. It's great. Um, and then uh, what's the next big? Uh, what's the next tournament you're excited? That, that's like people should be watching. Well, we got I got the RSM Classic in my hometown, St. Simons, and then I'm gonna go play Tigers event in the Bahamas, and then I'll You're be not off. Spear fish after with him? <sighs> Maybe after. He's pretty good at it. Yeah, he's pretty good. Did at you guys it. hang out a little bit. I showed him some pictures of when we used to spear fish a bunch, and he was like, "Did you do it with a tank?" I was like, "Well, yeah, that time I did." He goes, "Well, it doesn't count then." Uh-huh. <laughs> he's a yeah, he's a purist. Yeah. I will you will you, will you plug will you plug this show to him and say he he should come on and talk about he probably watches fishing? it I wouldn't be surprised if he watches it no but will you ask him if he'll come on and talk about spirit that's fishing? gonna be a, that's gonna be a hard sell I'll ask him you don't like to do that kind of stuff <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not but Tiger Woods is pretty high in demand no no so that's what, that's why I'm, that's why I'm leaning on you <laughs> that's why we're sending you I don't want to over lean on you but that's why you're supposed to bring it up okay okay. And just for the record, wedge, just kind of wedge it in there, like yeah. be like, hey, oh, man. Wed, nice, nice, nice pun there. That's yeah, but it looks good. like, <laughs> like looks like a great day for uh, great day shoe for golf. Little, shoe, shoe you know, you might want to think about doing, and then you know, something like that. Okay. I think I, I love to spearfish. Love trying to get better at it, but, but there's still like, in order to properly talk 
shit about somebody who spear fishes with a tank, you got to do it at least once, right? Right. I would love to go down there and sit and just see, really see what what the difference. Find is. out just how bad it is. Right. Find <laughs> out just how how icky I feel. It's kind of like the the greatest thing about drinking black coffee is that you get to make fun of people who put shit in their coffee. That's like <laughs> that's like people who don't use tanks when they spear fish. It's like yeah, I don't use a horse and cart to get around anymore either. Yeah, but uh, the uh, half and half budget on meat eater shoots is, does not get messed with. <laughs> All right, so you got those coming up. Look for the guy with the pink and white striped yeah. pants. Yeah, the one showing out. Look for look for the guy. <laughs> no. in the, look for the guy in the drabish attire. No, no, I just go to work. I go to work <laughs> and I try to try to beat everybody. That's it. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate thanks for you having me, guys. Trip I appreciate out, it. Yeah. Thank you. That was great. Thank, right, you. thank you very much. Sweet. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized job site or out in the field go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping go to deck.com slash meat eater get yourself some free shipping hey if you follow wildlife news at all you're probably aware that the island of maui has an incredible abundance of axis deer so much so that they're causing ecological damage well maui nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order.